This message is brought to you by Mill City Church in Lowell, Massachusetts. For more information, please visit millcitychurch.net. Well, we're certainly glad that you're with us again this week via our live stream, and it's now time to study the scriptures together. And if you would go down to the description of today's live stream there on the video, you will find a listening guide, a PDF for the listening guide. We would encourage you to print that off so that you might follow along with me today as I teach and uh, as, so that we might learn the scriptures together. And as we always say when we are in person together here at Mill City Church, I want to encourage you to learn in such a way today, take notes in such a way today, pay attention in such a way today that when we're done, you could take these notes and you could teach someone else the scriptures. That's at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. It's at the very heart of what it means to be a disciple maker. So in your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and turn to John chapter one. And you, wait a minute, we've been in this series now for several weeks. We're going back to the beginning. Yes, that's where we're going to start today. So go back to John chapter one. And while you're turning there, I want to tell you a story of an encounter I had with a student on campus uh, several years ago. I was in my office on campus there in the campus ministries office, and, and there was a student, an athlete on campus who stopped by my office and in good faith to sit down to ask me a question. And we started talking through some matters of the faith, and we started talking about Jesus. And he said, here's my big question to you today. Do I have to believe that Jesus is God in order to be right with God and to get into heaven one day. He said, I've talked to other pastors about this. I even spoke to another campus minister about this. And the best answer that other people have told me is it's not really for me to say that. And I just wonder, what, what do you say? What, what does the Bible teach? And, and I looked at him and I said, I said, friend, Jesus' deity is at the very core of his identity. It is who he is. And so to deny his deity is to deny him. And so it is very hard for me to go from the scriptures and tell you that it is okay to not believe that Jesus is God and be in right relationship with God because to deny that he is God is to deny the very essence of who he is. And I know this morning that there are a lot of people who say a lot of different things about Jesus. I would probably guess that an overwhelming majority of people on planet Earth have at least a favorable view of Jesus. But I want you to know this morning that it's not enough to simply feel good about Jesus or to think that he was a good teacher or a great moral leader. I want you to see today the very essence of his identity. Because the very essence of who Jesus is, is that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And there, if you'll have your listening guides with you right now, this is where you can pick up. I want you today, in today's message, I want you to see from the scriptures the overwhelming evidence that Jesus Christ is, in fact, God in the flesh. And to do that, I want to appeal to a few different truths. And the first one is this. I want you this morning to believe, I want you to believe in his eternal existence. And that's where we go all the way back to John chapter one and the very first couple of verses here. The scriptures 
tell us at the beginning of John's gospel that in the beginning was the word. And the word is one of John's favorite titles for Jesus. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. So where did Jesus come from? Well, John says he came from God. Well, he actually says in this text that not only did he come from God, that Jesus himself is God. And I shared with you a few weeks ago that these first three verses of the Gospel of John have proven to be some of the most cherished passages in all of Scripture regarding Jesus, the Son. And you and I should cherish them today. But in the first message of the series, I unpack these three verses a lot more deeply. And so if you want to know a little bit more about these three verses, I would encourage you to go all the way back to the first message in this series where it was entitled, Believe That Jesus Came. But for the purpose of today's message, I want to remind you that the Bethlehem manger that we celebrate at Christmas, that's not the beginning of Jesus's life. Jesus is actually eternal. He has existed forever alongside God, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit from eternity past. Twice in these three verses, John uses the phrase, in the beginning. In other words, if you and I could invent a time machine and travel all the way back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, we would find that Jesus was already there. He existed before then. I mean, imagine a world. Imagine you're a movie theater right now. In a world, right? Imagine a world where before people existed, before there were plants, before there were roads or cars, before there were houses, Jesus existed in that world. In a world where there were no Starbucks, there were no malls, there were no iPhones, before there was any COVID-19 or social distancing or self-quarantine, thank God, before any human experience, Jesus was already there. Jesus existed in that world. Jesus is eternal. And this morning, I want to ask you to believe in Jesus's eternal existence because his eternality points towards his deity. But the second thing I want to appeal to this morning is I want you to believe his authoritative life. I want you to believe his authoritative life. And here's where we're gonna spend a majority of our time this morning in today's message. And here's why this is important. When examining anyone's truth claims regarding matters of most importance, particularly the spiritual destinies of humanity, it is crucial to consider the source. When you examine the claims and actions of Jesus Christ, you will discover that he stands out as a unique figure among all competing religious teachers. And what stands out among him most is the authority 
surrounding both his life and his words, both what he said and what he did. So I want to look briefly at Jesus's authoritative life this morning. So we're gonna do this in two ways. First, I want you to see that his words claimed him to be God. His words claimed him to be God. Now, like the young student who approached me on campus, many people postulate the myth that Jesus never actually claimed to be God. And perhaps they assume this because Jesus never just came out and said, hey, you, you over there, look over here. I'm God. I'm God. I mean, can you imagine Jesus introducing himself as such? I mean, Matthew comes up to him and says, um, hi, I'm Matthew, the tax collector. And Jesus says, well, nice to meet you. I'm Jesus Christ, you know, AKA God, you know, the creator, creator of the universe, the, the chosen one, the Messiah, the one who created, named, and even spins all the planets into motion right now, bow down and worship me. I mean, that would really change the entire picture of the Jesus we know and read about in the gospels, would it not? No, Jesus was far more subtle than that. One of my seminary professors, Dr. Greg Allison, who is a great historical theologian, um, he clarifies this well for us. He says, Jesus' approach, which seemed more hidden than open, was not a mistake on his part. He purposefully did not just come out and say he is God because his approach demanded that people exercise faith to know his true identity. He didn't want mobs of people clamoring after him because they wanted some miracle of food or healing or political freedom. That was not his purpose at all. You even look at the Gospels and even in the subtle way with which Jesus talked to people, you see how people were already clamoring about and wanting to make him king by force. Just imagine the mobs of people and the throngs around him had he been far more direct in his claims. But what I want you to see this morning is even though Jesus did have a much more subtle approach to revealing his identity, Jesus both explicitly and implicitly, very clearly said with his words, with his own mouth, talked of his eternal deity. And I wanna walk you through here four different places where we see this on display in the Gospel of John. I wanna start in John chapter five. We saw this, we read of this account a few weeks ago when we looked at the miracles of Jesus. When Jesus healed the man, at the pool on the Sabbath. And after Jesus healed this man, you go down to the the end of the paragraph there, and I'm gonna start actually in verse 15. And in verse 15, it says this, the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, here it is, My father is working until now, and I am working. You see, there very implicitly, Jesus is linking his work with God the Father. In verse 18, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal 
with God. John chapter 8. You turn over just a couple of pages in your Bibles to John chapter 8. Jesus was having another exchange with the religious leaders. And let's just say, uh, this may not have been a, a, a knockdown, drag out fight, but let's just say it was at least an intense moment of fellowship, okay? And in John chapter 8, verse 48, here's what the Jews, the religious leaders said to him. Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and having a demon? There's that word Samaritan again. You see the, you see the uh, consternation that the Jews had towards the Samaritan people and using this as a derogatory term, term for Jesus. And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet, yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Friend, from my perspective, I believe this is Jesus's most direct claim of deity. And the reason is because when Jesus responds in verse 58 to the religious leaders, and he says, truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. He is appealing all the way back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. And in the Old Testament, Moses encounters God at the burning bush. And when Moses starts inquiring of God, who is it that's talking to me? Who is it that's commissioning me? God himself gives this title. God the Father says, tell them I am sent you. I am who I am. God the Father calls himself the great I am. Now, in the New Testament, the Greek translation of the New Testament, the word here is ego I me, I am. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, when God says, I am, I am, the great I am, the exact same wording there. Jesus, these religious leaders knew exactly what Jesus was doing here. They knew exactly that he was, he was equating himself with God, God the Father, whom they had so much reverence for. And if you don't believe it, look at what happens afterwards. Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. They want to stone him for blasphemy because Jesus equates himself with God. You go over to John chapter 10, something very similar happens. Another exchange with the religious leaders. 
And in verse 24 of chapter 10, the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, just tell us plainly. And so Jesus goes on a little bit of a discourse here and starts explaining who he is and how he relates to his people. You go down to verse 30 and here's what Jesus says. He says it very plainly and clearly. I and the Father are one. So the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And the Jews answered him, it's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Go over to John chapter 14. Go over to John chapter 14. Jesus is among a much friendlier audience now. He's with his disciples, tucked away in the upper room, just before he's going to get ready to go to the cross. And in verse 8 of chapter 14, Philip, one of his disciples, said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Friend, I want you to know today, there may be many people who doubt the deity of Jesus. And there may be many of those walking on planet Earth today who would say that, well, you know, Jesus never really claimed to be God. But I want to appeal to your intellect this morning. I want to appeal to your heart this morning. Just taking a, 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 a glance at these encounters with Jesus and the religious leaders and his disciples in the text of Scripture, both implicitly and explicitly, Jesus was pretty clear about his divine origins and his personal deity and how that relates to his identity. And it might be tempting to read our presuppositions into the text of Scripture and then conclude that Jesus never claimed to be God because he never used the terminology or the language that we would want to hear. However, Jesus lived and interacted with a first century Middle Eastern primarily Jewish audience. And believe me, as we've seen in the text, they heard him loudly and clearly. And so Jesus's words, his authoritative words, claimed him to be God. But I also want you to see this about his authoritative life. His works also showed him to be God. His words claimed him to be God. His works showed him to be God. Now, it's one thing to make outstanding claims about yourself saying that you're God and saying these very big truth claims about yourself. And it's another thing altogether to back up those claims with corresponding actions. I remember um, years ago when I was in college, one of the battle cries of my alma mater's football team was this, anyone, anytime, anywhere. And for years, they backed up that claim by dominating their conference. As a matter of fact, they had 14 consecutive winning seasons. It's the fifth longest winning streak uh, uh, in uh, college football history. When I was a student at Southern Miss, 
football seasons were a very joyous time. But you fast forward a few years later, then came the dismal 2012 and 2013 football seasons in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where the once conference powerhouse lost 23 consecutive games. That spanned two seasons. For the Southern Miss family, it was a really, really tough time. What's the point? If you're going to say anyone, anytime, anywhere, you better be ready to back it up. The record needs to match the rhetoric. The walk needs to match the talk. And this morning, what I want you to know about Jesus Christ is that the record of Jesus most definitely matches his rhetoric. His walk most assuredly backed up his talk. Yes, Jesus repeatedly claimed to be God, but then through his works, he showed himself or proved himself to be God. Now, I'm not going to rehash the earlier message from this series where we walked through the Gospel of John studying many of the miracles that Jesus did. But what I do want to do this morning is I want to remind you that the Gospels tell us that Jesus turned water into wine, that he made the blind to see, that he made the lame to leap, that he brought hearing to deafened ears. He tamed the stormy winds and the waves. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. And as we will celebrate next week, he himself conquered death by rising again on the third day. Jesus claimed to be God, and then he did works that proved himself to be God. To quote the very astute theologian Stephen Colbert, what's the son of a duck? It's a duck. If it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, and it can raise the dead like a duck, it's a duck. Okay, so he might not be a great theologian, but truth is truth regardless from whose mouth it comes. And friend, with his words, Jesus claimed to be God, and then with his works, he proved himself to be God. And as we have looked at almost every week in this series, I want to appeal to the very end of the Gospel of John, where John says this about Jesus' works, that Jesus did these works, and that John wrote about these works, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I want you to believe the deity of Jesus this morning. I want you to believe his eternal existence. I want to appeal to you in order to believe his authoritative life. But I also want to appeal to you to believe not only what Jesus said and did, but I also want to appeal to your heart and your mind to believe the affirmation of others. That's the third truth I want to present to you this morning and to appeal to you to believe. Believe what others said about Jesus. Those who came before Jesus, those who were contemporaries of Jesus, and those who came after Jesus. 
Believe the affirmation of others. I, just, I wanna just walk through the text here a little bit. Going back to the Old Testament, consider the affirmation of the prophets. Hundreds of years before Jesus Christ ever came to planet Earth, Jesus was prophesied about among the prophets and among the people of God. And one of the most famous prophecies of Jesus, we, we recount and we read every year at Christmas. In Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The prophets, years before Jesus ever came, the prophets spoke of the deity of Christ that this would be the son of God, the one who came from heaven, the one who was eternally in relationship with God the Father and God the Spirit. And so consider the prophets this morning. Consider secondly the Father. Consider God the Father. And I wanna stop for a moment before we go to the text. All throughout the scriptures, from Old Testament to New, from beginning to to end across every genre of scripture in the Bible. God speaks of his glory. The scriptures speak of the glory of God and repeatedly we we read of a God who is jealous for his own glory. And he says that he will not share his glory with anyone else. But yet as we read the text of scripture and especially in the gospels, we see that God the Father has no problem sharing his glory with Jesus the Son. And so if Jesus were not God in the flesh, then the Bible itself is teaching idolatry. Because throughout the Bible, we read of the glory of God and God being jealous for his own glory and not sharing it with anyone else, yet he has no problem sharing it with Jesus. But the Bible does not teach idolatry The Bible speaks of the Godhead and God the Father affirms the deity of his son Jesus. I want you to see this in the gospel of John. In John chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus says, now is my soul troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. And he's talking again about his death. We've talked about that throughout the series. He says, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. This is the third instance in the gospels that God, that God the Father audibly spoke from heaven in affirmation of his son. More explicitly, we hear this in Matthew 3, verse 17, after Jesus is baptized. And when Jesus came up out of the water, the scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit himself landed on Jesus' shoulder like a dove, and then a voice came from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then in Matthew chapter 16, Chapter 17, at what's known as the Transfiguration, Jesus is on the top of the mountain with his disciples, Peter, James, and John. 
And Jesus is transfigured. He's transformed supernaturally in front of them. And a voice came from heaven at that moment and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to what he says. God the Father affirms the divine origins and the divine identity of his son. And he has no problems sharing his glory with him. Consider the prophet's affirmation. Consider the father's affirmation. Consider the apostles. Consider the apostles. You get towards the end of John, the gospel of John in John chapter 20. After Jesus has resurrected from the grave, which we will celebrate as Christians next week. And we read about Thomas. And Thomas has a pretty bad reputation, right? We, his reputation is doubting Thomas. But I want you to see here when Jesus lovingly goes to Thomas face to face to appear to him to assuage his disbelief and his doubts. And here's what we read beginning in verse 27. He said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And look at Thomas's response. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus doesn't rebuke him for calling him God. You go on through the New Testament and both the apostles, the apostle Peter and the apostle Paul, both speak of Jesus as our great God and Savior. The apostles affirm Jesus as God. Lastly, I want you to consider the words of his opponents. And I believe this gives great validity of the deity of Jesus from even his opponents' mouths. Because we as human beings today in the 21st century, we can postulate all day long that, well, you know, Jesus never really claimed to be God. But yet his opponents heard him loudly and clearly. Just to refresh our memories, in John chapter 5, after he healed the man by the pool and Jesus equated himself with God, look again at the response of the the Jewish leaders in verse 18 of chapter five. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The exact same thing happened in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10 and verse 33, after Jesus said, for which of these great works do you want to stone me? And the Jews answered him, it's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. Even his opponents heard Jesus claim to be God. And so here's the reality this morning. As a human being, with a free mind, a free heart, a free will, you are very welcome this morning to deny the identity of Jesus. You are free to do that. You are even free to say, well, Jesus never actually claimed to be God. But here's what you're not free to do. Here's what I'm not free to do. You can't base that claim on the account of the scriptures. Because the scriptures overwhelmingly and convincingly, in my mind, give great evidence 
to Jesus' claim to deity. You're free to make that claim. But I want you to know, I don't want you to make that claim. I want you to bow down and believe who Jesus actually is. You know, this really gets to the heart of the matter this morning because if we're really honest with ourselves, we've all had these moments in our lives where we grapple with the truth of scriptures and we come to the scriptures and if we're really honest with ourselves, we want to reason away what the scriptures actually say. And the reason we do that is because the moment we truly believe the scriptures and we take the scriptures at their word, that means that there are gonna be some implications for my life. There are gonna be ramifications for not believing what the scriptures say. And I think it's so relevant here in our study today of the deity of Jesus. You see, the moment you pronounce Jesus Christ as God in the flesh is the moment that you now are opening yourself up to all of Jesus's claims and his teachings And now, if Jesus truly is who he is, you have no choice but to bow down and surrender. There's another instance in the scriptures in Matthew chapter 16. You might want to just write that in your notes this morning. And it could be a cross-reference. You could go back and read perhaps later this afternoon or sometime this week. But I want to make this personal for you this morning. Because there's an instance where Jesus was with some of his disciples And he asked them, what are people saying about me? Who do people think that I am? Who do they say I am? And well, his disciples start giving answers. Well, some people think that you're Elijah reincarnated. Some some people think that you're one of the prophets. And what Jesus does is he starts hearing what public opinion is about himself. And then he turns to the disciples and he says something very personal. He says, but, but who do you say that I am? And Peter rightly pronounced, and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This morning, what I want to do as we close our message time is I want to make that same question personal to you. So this morning, we've seen the overwhelming evidence that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And in response, I want you to see the pressing question that comes from that. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? I I hope and I pray this morning that you would see that he's the son of the living God, that you would hear the, the great authoritative words that he said and claimed to be. And then you would see the works that he did that proved his words to be true. I want you to see those things today. I want you to hear them from Jesus and I want you to believe them. This morning, if God has done something in your heart through this message time, if God has awakened you to the beauty of who his son Jesus is, what I would encourage you to do is please let us know. Let us know that God is working in your heart 
It could be that, that you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus for the first time. It could be that, that you want to ask some spiritual questions and you would love one of our spiritual encouragers to walk alongside of you in the gospels to help you see more clearly who Jesus is and what that means for your life. It could be that you want to place your flag in the stand and raise it high for Jesus and be baptized and show the world what God has done inside of you. It could be that you say, even through this social distancing in this time of where we're away from each other personally, that all the more you wanna be committed to a local church and you would love to join this faith family. You can notate that today. If you go down to the description of today's live stream, you'll find a connection card an electronic connection card. You can fill that out and press send and it will come to our team and we will have someone from our team follow up with you. You might even just have a prayer request today and you could fill that out and let us know so that we would know better how to pray for you during this time. But if God's done something in your heart today and you're sensing a rumbling in your heart, be obedient, reach out via those means so that we might pray with you and walk alongside of you in these next steps. Let me pray for you and, and then our team is gonna lead us in a musical response to what we've heard today. Father, thank you for your scriptures. Thank you that they're true. Father, help us in our humanity overcome our unbelief. Father, help us in our doubts. Help us remove pride where we say in our hearts that we know better than you. Father, today, do something in our hearts so that we might be amazed once again at the matchless beauty, the identity and worth of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, may it radically transform our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.